size of the Baghdad has been illuminated. The machine going off all over the And it is 2100 Eastern Time, and you know what that means. Welcome to the virtual Green Dragon Tavern, and you are on the air with Radio Contra, Sons of Liberty. And it is very good to be with you. It's kind of ironic that uh, we're doing a Sons of Liberty live show here on uh, January 6th, one-year anniversary of uh, the great insurrection the beginning of the retaking of our great country and uh, there's a lot of ways that you can look at that there's a lot of ways uh, that that this thing can be spun uh, and the media is trying desperately to maintain control of the narrative of course the Q people are out there saying whatever the hell it is that they're saying in their little world that they're in and then us in the real world making things happen are here live on the air and of course that real world praxis that is making things happen out there uh and this it was uh kind of interesting how we got here uh on the air originally we were not going to have a sons of liberty tonight because i'm headed to florida for a week of uh, class rto advanced rto and signals intelligence course uh, down there with Mr. Angry American, Chris Weatherman, uh, author of the Going Home series, and a pretty well-known guy in his own right. And that class is going to be a packed house, and it is is going to be off the chain. But uh, had some things happen up here that I had to uh, take care of, be headed down south tomorrow, and uh, could get another live show in. And I can't think of a better group of rowdy dudes, you insurrectionists out there, to celebrate this with than all of you here in the virtual Green Dragon Tavern. And I am joined by my esteemed co-host, Mr. J.C. Dodge. What is up, brother? What's going on, man? Oh, I'm celebrating. <laughs> celebrate celebrating 200,000 downloads today 200,000 wow. downloads wow, that is a lot yeah, one year's got, time got done uh just got done watching death hunt with my son so ah, a little little vintage uh charles bronson action charles lee bronson marvin, marvin little charles bronson yep Yep. Fun fact, I know you know this, but for all of the listeners out there, uh, Lee Marvin was probably the realest dude in Hollywood. Yep. And dead serious. He was a scout sniper in the Pacific um, in in World War II. He, I mean, he was the real deal. 
Um, yep. People were were terrified of him in Hollywood. Yeah, well, he uh, I I can't remember which movie it was, but he had somebody crossing in front of him. He had an M1 Grand in his hand. Somebody was crossing in front of him when he was uh, in the prone, and as they went by in front of him, one of the guys, one of the other actors. He lifted his rifle up so that they didn't walk in front of his muzzle. And uh, a, a buddy of mine pointed out to me, he said, that is the sign of a guy that is real. Yeah. And uh, I, I, I was like, yeah, because that's, I mean, if you ever watch him, um, as far as his, uh, you know, how he handles a weapon, um, <clears throat> you know, uh, my, my wife just bought... Uh, I mean, I had it in VHS, but she just bought me the DVD of The Professionals. Oh, yeah. And, classic. Uh, classic yeah, movie. Yeah. Jack Palance. Yep. And uh, Oh, yeah. Wow. Oh, yeah. Woody Strode, Woody Strode and um, yep. oh, Lancaster. Um, yep. 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 But, but the, uh, and it had some outtakes in it um, on the DVD from this was just like, you know, 20, 15, 20 years ago. The two, the two main women that were in it, I interviews with them. And uh, it, it's, it's really cool, though. Like I said, um, he, Lee Marvin is one of them guys. That, you know, you watch any war movie he's in, and uh, if he's handling a weapon, generally speaking, he, he's doing it right. Um, yep. I imagine he did a lot of uh, on-the-set uh, um, correction with people he was working with. Oh yeah, yeah. When he uh, when he shot at uh, it wasn't John Cassavetes. I'm trying to think of who it was. It was climbing the rope in the Dirty Dozen. Um, oh yeah, it wasn't the grease gun. Yep. You see his mm-hmm. stance when he's shooting that. Yep. You know, you you know that this this guy's a trigger puller right here. You know, he he knows what he's doing. He's he's done it a time or two. Uh, it's pretty, it's pretty, uh, pretty incredible. Blue Squirrel in the comments. Wasn't Charles Bronson a badass too? Oh yes, uh, oh yes, he was. Uh, Charles Bronson was in the Air Force. Uh, he was in the Eighth Air Force, and if I remember right, he was a bomber gunner. Um, I don't know if it was on a Mitchell bomber or if it was on a B seventeen. Uh, Blue Squirrel saying it was a railgunner. Okay, uh, I knew that. I knew that he was a gun crew guy. Um, but yeah, he he Charles Bronson's the real deal. Okay, B seventeen tail gunner. I, I stand corrected. Yeah, he well, dude was the real deal. You say that because uh, him being in um, the uh, the Great Escape, you know, because yes. they were all Air Air Force. Well, Air, they were all um, Army Air Corps, British Air Force, and stuff like that. They were in that camp. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you, you, but that generation of Hollywood, man, you, you had to be yeah. hard. That generation of Hollywood, you had to be hard back then. There, there was, Stewart. I mean, look at, <laughs> I was going to yeah. say Jimmy Stewart right there. Yeah. 23. Yep. Yep. Yeah. Well, yep. I mean, re- retired as a reserve brigadier general. And, uh, yeah. He, I mean, the amount, the number of missions he kept on put, he, he was already a star in Hollywood when he, when he went in, he was already a private pilot. And he went in, he got his commission, and then they tried to keep him. When he got to Europe, England, 
they tried to keep him from flying dangerous missions and he he got mad about it basically yeah him start putting himself on all these missions and, and uh they said that when when he did um uh, it's a wonderful life he was going through some really serious ptsd issues um, yeah yeah and uh and they and it and you can tell um you know, it's funny because up until this year, my wife had never seen It's a Wonderful Life. She had just never, she wasn't a huge fan of his. But I said, you know what? Because she's like, she was a psychology major and all. I said, you should watch this movie just to, just to look at him and understand where, he, you know, what he had just been through. And I said, you can really tell that, that that was, that there was more, it was more to it than just acting. Um, right. But, uh, um, man, know, acting said, is an art. So you know, and, yeah. yeah. Acting is an art and you have to have pain to be a good artist. I mean, it, it's mm -hmm. just, you just do. Um, it, it, there has to be pain involved mm -hmm. to make quality art and it's got to be real. And um, I'm know, looking at his Wikipedia right now. He got Distinguished Flying Cross, French Croix de Guerre mm -hmm. with Palm. And the Air Medal yeah. with three oak leaf clusters promoted the full colonel on March 29th, 1945. That's incredible. Yeah, I mean, and he came up. Ted Williams, baseball yeah. player, World War II yep. ace, and and Korea. Yeah, um, you know, and they, they came up in an in an era too where if you were a pilot, you, I mean, you were a real daredevil because this mm -hmm. this was new technology. I mean, it it right. you know the, for some it, of these guys going to single wings. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it, it, this this was a completely new thing, and um, you know, you think about like you don't have any navigational aids other than a compass. Um, there was no GPS. Everything was line of sight. Everything was uh, what you can see. Um, yeah, I mean, dude, the, well, these guys, man, <laughs> you know, yeah, and, and yeah. it was it, it it was pretty much guaranteed. You you if if you flew enough missions, you weren't coming back. You know, right. well, you just want. Yeah, that's what's funny. You mentioned about the technology. When I was, um, I mean, well, you know, I I was a aviation major in college, and when I was flying, we didn't have GPS or anything. And that was in the, in uh, eighty seven, um, and I said I told a guy I worked with the other day we were talking about that, and he I said I don't even know if you know, how much would look familiar in a, in a, you know, they got a Cessna 152 um, uh, or a Super Cub or something like that nowadays, if it was a new one, because like I said, we didn't have GPS, Every, everything was analog. There wasn't anything digital in that, in them planes. Um, yep. I was flying. Um, I mean, yeah. you know, my, my primary, <laughs> after I soloed, uh, my instructor would give me, he give me things to work on, but if it was a, on any given day, he might say, "Just go out and work on what you want to." So I would take the um, take the uh, bush plane out to the university farm and practice, practice short field and uh, soft field landings and takeoffs because I figured if I ever flew in the real world, it would be in a place like Alaska or something like that. So I figured that would be the best thing to be good at. So. But yeah, it was yeah. All, all analog, and, and um, I mean, I imagine from what people that I know that are their pilots talking about the small planes nowadays, everything—it's not fly by wire, but <laughs> it's uh, a lot of technology. 
Oh, absolutely. Yeah, it's, you know, and uh, I have a mountain of respect for aviators. Always love working with them. I've had a lot of uh, career aviators that have come into class. Um, and for, you know, whatever reason, I, I don't know why that is, but but I have. Well, they're preparedness-minded. Oh, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. That's, I mean, that's absolutely. Uh, aviation. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And, keep, and uh, keep in mind, I, when I got done that, I went in the army and jumped out of them instead because I always had a parachute <laughs> on. It's because we're stupid. It's because well, we're yeah. stupid. No, I so wanted to have a parachute stupid. on. I, mean, I didn't even land in an aircraft for the first couple of years I was I was in. Did you love, like, you're sitting on green ramp, you're getting checked out, you know. Just, yeah, well, you're looking around, and you've always got that one guy after everybody's been JMPI'd, and you're sitting there, and he's like, I ain't never rode an airplane before. Like, <laughs> 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 well, and you're never going to land in one either. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh. oh, man. So, Patriot it's Man. Good times. What's up, brother? Happy Insurrection Day, brother. Amen. Happy Insurrection Day. You know, I posted on our Twitter account. I remember last year, this time, I was working remotely, watching uh, a live stream and drinking copious amounts of whiskey at about 3 a.m. So uh, it was it was a good day for me last year. That's like every other day for you. <laughs> so true, true story about this guy. So true story about Patriot Man. So here we were. Here we were uh, two years ago. And we were down in, in uh, somewhere along the Florida-Georgia state line at an undisclosed gorilla camp somewhere down there yep. doing some things with some people at a place with a thing. And, <laughs> and it's, it's like 7 in the morning. And we'd been up drinking a pretty good amount of alcohol. I mean, not getting belligerent but we we put down some some quality alcohol that night yeah uh a significant quantity uh you know probably i don't know i mean we we were drinking we had some some dunkelweiss uh german lager we had some liquor that was being passed around uh and, and whatnot and wake up you know, it, and it's the last day. We're getting ready to, to take off. And here comes Patriot Man walking up with an open beer. And I have no idea where he found this beer. And neither did he. And he just has it in his hand. And he goes, hey, uh, I just found this beer. And I'm like, okay. And he goes, I'm going to drink it. <laughs> you do you you're probably still drunk so all right um yeah, can and- confirm true story i still don't know where i found it it was somewhere <laughs> but- <laughs> hey i i found this beer uh it's like walt <laughs> do what oh, comes Lord. natural <laughs> found it under the tire of a vehicle that was there to keep it from rolling down the hill. Yeah, right. yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. Uh, no, I will say though, um, I just get uh, before this, I was um, doing an inventory of one of our chest freezers and looking at. There'd been a couple sales post holiday that we'd stocked up on some meat on and whatnot. Yeah, and we added uh, what's the number? One hundred ninety three point two pounds of meat to the chest freezer, so we we have about three hundred and ninety pounds now. 
Hey so, man, uh, it was it yeah, was very yeah. It's right. It's very. It was very heartening <laughs> to look in that chest freezer and see yeah, just really. that that pile it's of meat, of and just knowing that yeah, we're good. So yeah, um, yeah, it was very very good to see that. That ain't ramen. No, they ain't ramen. <laughs> <laughs> no, uh, Johnny Paratrooper is in the house. What's up, brother? Hey, buddy. Do you guys have a lot of lot of feedback? I'm in the car right now, man. I just pulled a 16 hour shift. It was awesome. <laughs> yeah. It was awesome. Uh, well, don't die driving well, home. Nah, man. I'm like halfway there. I got like an hour to go. <laughs> oh no i'm good good lord i'm good yeah it was it was a long day man i was up at five and i just got off five minutes ago oh jesus mm, yeah mm. yeah mm. i don't yeah. someone's it, gonna go home and yeah, crap well it's the oh dude i'm i uh actually have only had a candy bar since uh I'm running on like my blood sugar got low and I was getting a little lightheaded and I was like, man, I just want to rip somebody's head off, dude. <laughs> and and I was like, I should probably have a Snickers, you know. I'm not I'm a little angry. You were having a Betty White moment. Yeah, <laughs> buddy. I was I was getting I was getting, a, I was getting like that furrowed brow looking on my I could I knew I tasteless. You know, people just walking up to you, they're like, Are you okay? It's like, yeah, I'm fine. They're like, Well, you just look really angry. Man, Betty no. White, man. Brought up Betty White. Betty oh, yeah. White. Betty White's somebody I hadn't really said too much about. No, all, all this, her her passing. Yeah, I mean that that sucks and all. But let's let's think about this, man. Let's let's think about something. Betty White's been in Hollywood for how long now? Over forty. Six well, decades. A long time. Six decades, I think. Yeah. A long ass time. Okay. Well, she's been in Hollywood for a long ass time. time. Yeah. So, and she always got all of these top level, uh, you know, well pushed sitcoms that she was in. Right. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, I, I'm not wearing a tinfoil hat over here. I'm, I'm drinking uh, Cuba Libre like it's water. But what I will say, but what I will say is, is that I don't know, man. I think there's, I think there's a whole lot, uh, there's a whole lot we didn't know uh, going on behind this. I think, I think that sweet old lady act was was an act, a lot of an well, act. You know, it's ironic that you say that because when I sent a message to my buddy, I said, "Hey, apparently Betty White got the." got the uh, booster two days before she died. He said, well, that's just one more commie we don't have to worry about. And I was like, are we thinking about the same Betty White? He said, yes, we are. And I was like, all, all right. Oh, okay. I, I was unaware of that. Um, but, of course, she'd have been around when uh, the McCarthy stuff was going on. I wonder if she was on that list. Yeah, well, I'm actually typing out. So, I, well, I was typing it out, but I, I can't type fast enough and talk. So, uh, Mags in the comment section said, uh, "Do you think she was Hilda Beach Junior?" Uh, and I put up "Senior," just just kind of in in joking. Now, I'm not trying to speak ill of the dead or whatever. Um, but what I will say is, you know, if you, well, if you were a Golden Girls fan or whatever, I, you know, all all zero of you listening to this podcast. Uh, <laughs> Um, 
you know, whatever. But what I will say is, is that um, she had a joke out there and you can look this up. You can look this up. I don't remember where I heard this, but I did hear it recently and it was her saying it. She has a joke where uh, and I, I want to say, actually, it might have came from when she hosted SNL. Um, when when she she they say that she got goaded into hosting Saturday Night Live. I don't, I don't think that happened with publicists and all that. She probably went out there, but she made a joke. They said, you know, uh, Betty White, how do you how, how do you stay alive this long? And hey, and she said, and it's very strange how she says it. You have to look this up, though. She said that I I stay this way by drinking the blood of in, of infants or no vir, uh, virgins. That's what it was. That's what I screwed it up. She said she stays that way by drinking the blood of virgins. And she said it in in today's America that's a very hard thing to do. And mm. it's a very uh, it's a very dead. She delivers it in a very deadpan way. Like, yeah, I'm joking, but I'm not. Kind of, it's it's very very different from how she normally delivers lines. Mm-hmm. If you ever watched anything that, like, that like she was ever in, lady normally. Yeah, it, it was it, it was weird, and and uh, you know, I'm just saying, it, it, you know, could have been could have been a joke. Well, could have been even joke about though. I mean, well, with that crowd, maybe. Oh, well, well yeah, yeah. I, I was <laughs> I brought up SNL earlier today and the whole uh, Dan Crenshaw thing and how he showed up there and was uh, picking on Pete Davidson after Pete Davidson was picking on him or, you know, whatever. They, they I mean, it's it's all a game, man. They got they, they all have connections to Klaus Schwab and, and that all goes back. And I laid that whole case out and, and just looking at things objectively. I mean, it's. You know, it's it. There, there's a lot to it, man. There's that a lot. That shit's to all that. scripted, dude. Mm-hmm. All scripted. Yeah. That was oh, gonna yeah, happen yeah, two weeks sure. before it happened. But that that was one of those jokes, man. I don't know if it was scripted or not. Because if it if it wasn't if it wasn't scripted, would they say anything? You know, like like with SNL SNL started doing a five second delay to my knowledge. They did a five second delay after the whole Sinead O'Connor thing. Um, but they, they did one previous to that with Richard Pryor because he, he was kind of a volatile. Dude. <laughs> Any, I mean, he, he was just kind of volatile in general. You never knew exactly what you were going to get with Richard Pryor. He, he could be one mm-hmm. dude. He, he could be your best friend one day and, and not the next day. So, I don't know, but um, it's just it's it's weird, man. It's it's weird, and and there, there's some I don't know. You, I, you have to look the quote up. You have to you have to look that clip up, and I'm sure it's out there. But you have to look it up to to really see what I'm saying. One one of the things that like is my canary for what's going on, like the celebrity, you know, boxing matches and all that stuff is if it's trending on the internet, then it's fake news. Like, and, and like some, they can, you know, they can, they have like the, the bots and stuff. So they can kind of crack the code to the matrix and get something trending for a little bit. And there's some grassroots stuff where like, there's a really funny joke in the punchlines that gets trending and, and 
you know, it might be up there for an hour or two. Hell, it might even make it, you know, half a day. But um, when it hits like the lunchtime thing and, and goes past that, I really get, start getting suspicious about whether or not it's an organic event. And, and I mean, I mean that from the yeah. bottom. No, nah, no, nah, I mean, there's facts behind what you're saying, especially with the Internet, uh, you know, knowing, knowing what we know about uh, interactive influence campaigns and, and uh, uh, 2IA stuff that's out there and, and you know, social media. There's the, the people at the levers of power definitely pick and choose what they want. That's why, you know, this podcast is really so important in what it's doing because it's completely grassroots. That That's one of the reasons that, you know, we, we have a very minimal social media presence. You know, of course, uh, uh, you know, American Partisan has a Twitter account, which is really just uh, just trolls people, <laughs> which is gold. Uh, in so, my opinion, pure gold, and and you know Facebook that I don't think any anybody pays attention to, but I mean I don't have me. any personal social media out there. There there is a, a fake account that was created for me by somebody uh, who I, I know who it was, uh, but that person is teetering on bankruptcy now and had to sell his house in Virginia and live <laughs> off of his wife. So fuck him. Um, good for you, buddy. You ran your million dollar business into the ground, and you know I know. Uh, but yeah, it is what it is. So I'm what you're referring to, good. yeah. And congratulations on that scout, man. I'm glad, oh, uh, thanks, I'm glad that I'm glad that tr the real guys are floating to the top and yeah. the assholes are sinking because it is a sink or swim kind of a world, you know? So what you're referring to, and this actually may have been part of this, the, uh, the series of events that we were previously, um, talking about two seconds ago. It's, yeah. it's online influence operations and interactive internet activities is what you're talking about. And those are two patented and yeah. uh, terms and two military terms that do yeah. exist. I've got the patent pulled up right here if, if you want to hear it. Um, the, the patent, you can look this up, uh, Google Patents. So Google, Google is useful for a couple of things, and you can quote me on saying that. Uh, but this patent, for everybody that's listening, I want you to look this up. Uh, Uniform Sierra 2007-0156814 Alpha 1. I say again, Uniform Sierra 2007-0156814. Eight one four Alpha One United States patent method and or system for providing and or analyzing influence strategies. Abstract a method and or system that can be implemented on a computing device or tables or board game or otherwise uses a set or uses a rule set to evaluate data about a situation and actors in order to provide advice regarding strategies for influencing actors and or other outputs. The inventor is none other than Fred Cohen, and the current assignee is Management Analytics Incorporated. Look that up. Uh, look that if If, well, if this was Joe Rogan, I'd say, Jamie, look that up. Uh, here it is. And this is just one of them, by the way. Yep. It's patented. What you said at the beginning, yeah. 
Yeah, this is this is a patent that every social media outlet is paying royalties to because they're all using them. Yes, Andrew Torba included. Okay, Andrew Torba included. I'm going to go on and say that Andrew Torba is is knee deep in this too. Uh, so for all of you out there that are listening to this, oh, but Gab, Gab, yeah. Well, there it is. <laughs> yeah. Boom. Yeah, it's very powerful yeah. stuff, and we're not the only ones that have these weapons. In fact, no. it's been said in the last couple of years that these online influence operations and these online internet operations and the interactive internet activities are possibly one of the most powerful weapons that's ever been invented. And so look at Kazakhstan. Why do you think they pulled the plug on that? Online yep. internet operations and interactive internet activities. It's not because it's an organic operation, because they want to monitor that. It's that it's they've completely lost control of it, and they don't know who's running what. And yep. paying attention to it isn't working, so they had to just pull the plug on the whole thing. Yep. Yeah. It, it's that's that is the reason that they shut down the internet in. Uh, in, in contested governmental things. And if you don't think that they can do that here, they absolutely can. You, you have to know who is actually at the helm uh, of the these agencies. That's why I keep using the term power elite, because the power elite is the intersect. Government is, is the intersection where uh, the, the, the corporatocracy the military arm and the people who have made their way up in, in the political halls of power all intersect and they're all placed where they are. I mean, when, when you, you boil it down, there's a lot of conspiracy theories out there, you know, and, and kind of broad terms this way, that way, and, and the other way, whatever. I don't really care about any of that. I just look at the facts uh, and, and the facts are that you can point to the Ivy league at the most elite institutions in the United States. You can point to that. Okay. You can point to that in every single case. You can point to the Ivy League um, over and over again, controlling the reins of power. I mean, look at Charles Lieber. And, and you mean to tell me that nobody else knew what Charles Lieber was up to? That all of a sudden Harvard just magically discovered that he was selling all of the research that they were potentially getting patents on and profiting off of because that's what universities do. And all of a sudden he's giving it all to the Chinese and they wouldn't be just a little bit pissed off about that. And maybe, I don't know, remove him from his professorship, the loss of his department chair head. Uh, but that no, none of that happened. None of those things happened. And they knew. Okay, they knew every IT department on every university, community college, doesn't matter where it is. They have a manager, a network manager who is analyzing all the traffic coming back and forth. You mean to tell me that Charles Lieber didn't once email somebody who was a known Chinese agent or any number of the, the Chinese uh, grad students that he had under him that were all funded through the Confucius Society? That, that none of them did any of these things and they didn't know about any of it and they just magically threw their hands. Oh, we never knew. We never the knew. Confucius Society right there. Yep, that's, it's bullshit. Mm -hmm. It's straight bullshit. The whole thing is bullshit. And so it's, it, it is, um, you know, the, the power elite is a much proper, much more proper term 
you go back, you read C. Wright Mills warning, uh, trigger alert, C. Wright Mills was absolutely not a conservative either. He was definitely on the left side of the spectrum um, and, and was labeled a crypto communist, which really probably for him wasn't what wasn't a, a inaccurate label. But the facts are what they are. When you go back and you read it, he, he wasn't wrong. And the thing is, is that you can take that knowledge and the recognition of that, because at least at that time, uh, nationalism and the, the quality of life in the United States, by and large, was definitely on the rise. And what we have today is, is the, the logical conclusion of corporatocracy and the damage that it has wrought upon us. And so that, that is exactly where we are. And they own DC, by the way, DC is nothing more than, than that level of corruption personified. And it transcends political parties because when people aren't useful anymore on that level, they just get rid of them. And that's what I was saying earlier today when the, the 23 Democrats or whatever that are retiring and you've got your Sean Hannity's and these guys are all Pollyanna out there, right? They're dropping bombshells every five seconds that are big nothing burgers, right? And they're doing that. Well, here's the deal. Those 23 Democrats that are retiring are from Democrat controlled districts that are not going to magically flip. That's not going to happen because they gerrymandered it so that it's, it's not going to happen. Okay. That that's just the way that it is. They're not going to magically uh, all of a sudden change their mind and vote Republican. That, that's not going to happen. Okay. It's, it's not going to occur. They're just going to take a communist, an actual communist, and put them in Congress now because they've taken the mask off. That's all they're going to do. Okay. So you, you got to recognize that. All these people that are, that are out there, the pundits, oh, well, there's going to be a massive red wave coming. Yeah. Okay. Well, you know, um, after Antifa and BLM and what have you is burning the country down this summer leading up to the election because the Democrats have asked for more than they know that they're going to get with the John Lewis Voting Rights Act. They, I mean, I mean, and what they, they named it the John Lewis Voting Rights Act so that you, if you argue against it, it, it's always a negative. Okay. It was very clever in how they did that. And, you know, well, then you must not support John Lewis, who was a hero of the civil rights. Hit the voting act that you're putting in place to literally control every election at the national level uh, that you're not requiring photo identification for, even though you have to do that for literally everything else in this country, uh, but not to vote. There you go. Right. It's 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 literally uh, they're ripping you off right in your face. It's right in your face. And they're, they're going to put the communists in. They're going to put them in. You're going to have what you're going to get is 23 more AOCs. You're going to get 23 more members of the squad. They're all going to get elected. Mark my words. Or 23 more Blumenthal's. <laughs> nah, well, maybe. Well, they got or, they got they got to keep up the uh, the the old white guy thing, so that way they have, the other ones have something to rail against, even if they're on the same side. Yeah, they're gonna let the they'll let the Republicans do that, or they'll <laughs> or they'll get the Dan Crenshaws out there waving the flag. You saw what he said there like a week and a half ago. Uh, oh yeah, celebrating the uh, communist uh, anniversary. 
with the Communist Party in America, and he said the Republicans are definitely the enemies of communism. I'm like, well, that just tells you right there that they're his buddies <laughs> because they're just yeah. trying to, you know, the whole the whole diatribe that they're uh, putting out there. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So we've also got Mechmedic in the house. Mechmedic, what's up, brother? Uh, what up, man? What up? What you drinking? <laughs> I got some of that uh, Jameson cold brew with some uh, Baileys. Oh, how is that? I saw that on the shelf. I haven't tried it yet. It's amazing. All right. And if you really want to get like lit quick. Mixing. You're talking to me, so you know. <laughs> did, did you ever eat ba- drink Bailey's from a shoe? Oh, Greg! Oh, oh, scary little man of fish, aren't you? <laughs> JC, you're the last person I would expect to make an old Greg reference. I'm just saying. Oh, dude, my, I'm old my Greg. Son, a couple, a couple years ago, my son showed me that. I laughed my so ass. So good. He's like, "What you doing in my waters?" It's my, my, my China. Yeah, I just. I, <laughs> I do love me. That was hilarious. Why are you playing those love games with me? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I like you. I love you. I'm gonna hurt you. <laughs> the fact that we all know that we can all quote lines from that. It kind of puts our podcast on a different level, I'm pretty sure. It, it does. It does, man. It does. <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah. I'm old Greg. You know, so. Oh. Speaking of old Greg, hey, hey, JP, are you driving in snow yet? <laughs> He's still it, it, on it mute, got, so got, he might have he might have not oh, made it. Yeah. Oh, well, he, <laughs> He's in a snowbank. He's in a snowbank. It hasn't gotten to you yet, has it, Patriot Man? Because we've got about an inch and a half. So no, not to me, not to me yet. Um, I think we're starting to do. Uh, let me try that again in English. It should start around one a.m. Okay. Um, so because you know it's going the way it's basically shadowed in, uh, shadow in the um, the border. So uh, it's going to hit North Jersey first, and it'll swing to us. We're, we're supposed to get like what, three to six, I think. Probably, probably my guess is four. Yeah, they, they said three to five here, but ours is supposed to end at five AM and tomorrow, Saturday and Sunday are the uh it's a three day deer rifle season for Maryland. Oh, it's you're a, gonna have fun in the season. snow with that one. So well it's it's, it's also gonna be eighteen degrees, so it's gonna stop snowing right before I get in my tree stand and it's gonna be cold. So hopefully I got room for one more deer in the freezer, so now the last storm did did you get a lot from that one or no? Uh, it was uh, it had been measured in in hair width. <laughs> okay, because uh, we we got about yeah. the jackpot was south of me. I know JP probably got hit by that. Probably or that the jackpot was north of Virginia and Maryland. We got about we got, eight inches. So it's funny because it's like you can drive around Maryland and you'll see like seven inches, nothing. Seven inches, nothing. It's kind of like me on a Friday night. But uh, is it supposed to snow tonight? Uh, I, I mean, I was going to go down and party at some of the colleges, so it's going to be snowing. You know what I'm saying? No, I'm just kidding. I am doing <laughs> Man, it's cold yeah. outside. Yeah, well, it's uh, Saturday morning. It's supposed to be 14 degrees. 
So, yeah. Well, that was the day after the snow uh, on Monday. Yeah, it got down to like 15 degrees, and uh, it was just a sheet of ice outside. And then we got hit with freezing rain. That was fun, too. I had uh, an employee at work, um, one of the the federal employees from D.C., they said, man, I don't understand why we got so much snow there at at home. They they drive in uh, every day. They drive west. I don't understand why we got, got so much snow there, and they didn't get much here. I said, because God hates you. And he, he just, he didn't know how to take that. He's like, um, I'm going to go to my cubicle now. So <laughs> He's like, know. is he kidding? Is he not kidding? I don't really know what to think about. Yeah. But, yeah. <laughs> well, he, he knows my, my, uh, where, where I, I owe my allegiance. And then, uh, yeah. He's still. I mean, he's not. He's not a bad guy. But it just. I've told him. I said, man. I said, you're. You're in the. The lower bowel <clears throat> of the cesspool. And uh, I told him he should get out of there before things actually go kinetic. And he's like, well, I've been trying. I said, well, not hard enough. You've been there for thirty years. So choices are important. They are. So magmatic. How else you yes, spending? Sir. You spend an insurrection day, my brother. Uh, just kind of uh, you know, doing insurrection type things, cleaning up my house. <laughs> really sounds like it. Staying, staying inside. The I was about ropes. to fucking say that to you. Damn it! <laughs> <laughs> wait, wait, when you say insurrection, <laughs> are you talking about the stuff they're trying to say was insurrection? Or are you talking about yeah. the stuff that is? actually insurrection yes i am mocking um, them i am mocking you're gonna say yeah, if dc yeah, is standing it is not an little, insurrection a little bit of both right yeah <laughs> a little yeah. bit of both <laughs> <laughs> like, yeah. i woke up and i put my socks on and, uh, <laughs> and i went and made some coffee you know it's and funny because sending all of our <laughs> jobs to china is the real insurrection <laughs> I just want my fucking economy back. Is that so hard? Is it so much to ask for? $60 billion a year goes to China. Just China. I'm just talking about China. $60 billion a year. Our corporate overlords were very happy to give that away. They were very, very happy to give the economy away because they look at the economy in terms of global markets, not the United States. That's a fact, Jack. The political power did nothing to stop the economic elite. They did nothing to stop them. They could have blocked it under national security. They could have said, no, like you're going to cause a total socioeconomic collapse in all of these manufacturing areas, you drive through these towns and they are fucking destroyed. They look worse than a fucking city in Syria, dude. And everyone's all drugged up or they're they're like really incredibly unhealthy. Do you have well, I mean, Snickers it, handy? <laughs> <He's>, <laughs> <laughs> Johnny so turns into like like yeah. Oprah Winfrey or something. Or, hey, or, no, you know what? Right, he's right is right though. That's like I said. I just no. I mean, he's, he's right. Uh, I'm just thinking. I'm thinking about yeah. those commercials. Uh, yeah. Like now, nah, Johnny Johnny turns into like John McEnroe. 
throwing oh, a, a tennis racket. Like, God damn it! That's him. That's him. But now, I mean, dude, you're proving my point though. Is is who who funded the politicians to get elected? Evergrande. The the corporations are the ones that make the most donations. There you go. There yep. you go. So 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 I had heard something hmm. that had to do with Evergrande, and it was talking about. Apparently, the I guess the Chinese government is is being hard on them, and but then they said that the, what I was listening to said the bottom line is they know they can do that and give that that image because they know in the end the the people holding the paper are over here. They're not. It's not the Chinese necessarily that's going to take the biggest fall as far as having investments in Evergrande. Uh, what are your thoughts on that? Well, first of all, nothing happens with the Chinese Communist Party inside of China. Nothing happens without their approval. Right. And you will not have a brokerage house, which is what Evergrande is or was. You will not have a brokerage house that is owning a major sector of your economy, which is exactly what Evergrande did, you're not going to have that without something. Without some, in some way, shape, or form, there was an approval that, that occurred there. Assurances. Right. And, you know, that, that goes back to Wall Street being the original bankrollers of the Soviets and and the Bolshevik Revolution because they were, you know, who created the the contemporary Chinese Communist Party because the the Chinese Communist Party was in existence for some time before the Chinese Revolution of Mao Zedong. Mao Zedong was just their most relevant leader that brought everything together. Who who really made it? So if if you read Guerrilla Warfare by Mao, which is a very different text from Che Guevara's novel uh, memoirs, rather, of, of the same uh, name, and is a very different text from uh, Burt Levy's book of the same name also. Uh, but if you read that, Mao was advocating a, a uh, agrarian-only revolution and uh it, it was strictly in agrarian terms that's why you had um uh, elizabeth warren's campaign staffer that was out there openly saying that she was a maoist a few years back because a, a lot of your green weenies your environmental types they they are attracted to mal principally for that reason uh your your uh people who prefer to live in communes or kibitzes or or whatever um that's they they adhere to maoism it's more palatable to them oh man i love how you slipped in the kibitzum right right in there that's man. what it is it's <laughs> a, it, no you're right you're right you're not wrong commune. dude yeah it, it, right it, it's a hippie commune but uh essentially is is what it is but anyway uh, communal living, no private property ownership, none of that stuff, right? Because uh, uh, Roseanne Barr 
one of the uh, one of the actresses on Roseanne went and lived in one for a while. Um, trying to remember her name, uh, but anyway, doesn't matter. Right, wrong, totally off topic. Uh, but anyway, so where I was going with that though is, is that somebody created the contemporary Chinese economy, and that person was Henry Kissinger and Richard Nixon. They created it. They they were a hundred percent responsible for it. Now there was a movement in Washington that was very favorable to the Chinese communists prior to that. They absolutely did. Um, they used the Chinese communists in in their fight against. I mean, that's where John Birch uh, died. The John Birch Society got its name. Um, but they, they were using the, the Chinese and particularly Chinese communists because they were very effective uh, grassroots fighters against the imperial Japanese. But they continued those ties uh, even with uh, Carlson's Raiders, uh, Marine Corps history there with, with the Raiders. Uh, Carlson was a suspected communist, a crypto communist. And um, it, it's very very interesting that that whole history how that plays out but uh the 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 corporatocracy was very very happy to go along with that because it was cheap manufacturing labor it was i mean you you are essentially getting slave labor at that point uh which is what they exploited it to be uh from the get go that that's exactly what they did and they were very happy to sell out the american worker because the the labor revolution here in the United States had come to its fruition. There were fair wages, there was uh, safe working conditions. There, there, you know, it was from a, a capitalist class, from the bourgeois class looking down at the proletariat and the rising lumpen proletariat out of that, the middle class, they really didn't want them to continue to exist because it's competition. And when when you begin to have a middle class develop into an upper middle class and there's real innovation that begins there, that's a threat to the corporatocracy at, at the, the higher level. And so that that's exactly where we are here in the United States. That's exactly what it, it's it is become. And so they built China. And that's where Evergrande is. That that was one of the purposes of Evergrande. And I think that uh, what we're going to see out of Evergrande is it is going to have a major ripple effect on our own economy. We're trying to figure out the fed right now is trying to figure out exactly how to handle that. And, um, you know, I, I don't know. Uh, I, I don't know how that's going to go. We'll see. Uh, I have a feeling we're going to know, uh, come summertime exactly how that's going to work out. Anybody? Uh, yeah. Hey, sorry, buddy. I was trying. To, I got stuck in the text messages. So, um, in the chat, um, it is a big deal, uh, for sure. And how the domino effect is is gonna is gonna unfold? Who really knows? I, I'd have to have access to the to the paperwork to see what companies they're tied into, and I'm sure we don't know fully yet. I've heard it's taking down pension system for one. Yeah, and I've heard uh, most of the retirement for the boomers is like in China, and because the CCP 
is in charge of what comes in and what leaves, they're not letting anybody withdraw any retirement. So, you know, if anything's going to prop up Evergrande from, from collapsing, they can always pull out that little button. So interestingly enough, anyone that's read um, Unrestricted Warfare by... Yes. But so you can very excellent um, study. Uh, it, I'm not sure how it reads. I'm not sure how to describe that type of book. It's like a case study of the Gulf War, and it and what they what these. Um, it, it starts as a case study, and then turns into an a a doctrine on how to counter the the U.S. military. And the counter is to just not fight the U.S. military. That's the best decision. So what do the Chinese decide to do instead? Well, these two colonels that wrote the book state that, hey, like, we just won't fight them. It's very expensive to fight a war. You might not win. And the, the real war is economics and just winning the, the argument on paper. You don't have to actually win in Uh-oh. You there? Fight me. And I said so. And then that's the end of the story. Right? <clears throat> and and then at the same time, that's the... I'm serious, though. And then at the same time, they're the rich kid that gets to have all the parties and gets all the girls and everybody wants to be their friend anyway. And that that's exactly what we're experiencing right now. And so uh, what is China going to do? Well, they can do two things. One, they can um, they can move around money because they can move money the same way the military can move tanks and bullets, and and that's what they state in the in the in unrestricted warfare. Uh, and so these state-owned enterprises, these SOEs, um, are completely unrestricted. We don't do anything to stop them. They can invest in anything. They can trade. They can buy, sell. We, we hardly do anything. We have blocked the sale of some things like like Westinghouse nuclear reactors. Um, so, you know, our, you know, every now and then the, the national security card gets played, but not often enough. And it's, it's like it's like so few people understand how to how to fight and win that we're really behind the curve. But that that is changing. That's not necessarily true. And and so the yes, it was it, uh, unrestricted warfare was published by two um, People's Liberation Army colonels, and yep. and and so it's an official Chinese document for sure. And so what they're doing is they can they can move money around to save it, or who cares if somebody blows up a bunker, or you know you blow the motor on a tank, or an airplane just falls out of the sky because the guidance system doesn't work and the pilot ejects and. The, the airplane is a total loss and just crashes into the earth and burns. Fuck it. It's just a part of doing business. It's just a part of winning the war. Doesn't matter. Close shop. Move on. Start another one. Start 10 of them. Who cares? Like, because Evergrande is like having 10 aircraft carriers and you lose one of them. Who cares? Like, now, is Evergrande like losing your entire naval fleet? I don't know if it's that big of a deal or not, because that is a big deal. Um relative to say, say a conventional or unconventional military that actually does, you know, kinetic operations. And, 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 uh, but, um, you know, they, they said they're going to focus on economic and, the, and technology is our primary, uh, primary, um, it, that the U S is, uh, 
uh, primary strength is technology and the fact that we like really, really practice a lot and we throw a lot of money at training. And China was like, well, man, we'll, we'll just go bankrupt like the, like the Soviets doing this much training in a war against guys that have done this before. Like we're probably not going to do very well. Um, another thing that, that China um, is working on is they're working on a lot of really niche weapons that was, that's mentioned in the 100-year marathon. And historically, this is really crazy. China has always had these like really un unusual niche weapons that will win them the war. One unusual niche weapon that you've probably never heard of is a Caltrop arrow. So if you used to do like a like in ancient Chinese warfare, if you did a cavalry charge into um, a Chinese infantry formation, their archers had Caltrops on arrows and your horses would stumble and fall and the cavalry attack would fail. So there's not really too many stories of these glorious cavalry charges in ancient China because they designed this incredibly amazing weapon, which is not like the broadhead arrow or the armor-piercing arrowhead, but rather a lighter weight bronze caltrop arrowhead that you would litter all over the battlefield and would be like a minefield for horse hooves and they just couldn't c finish the charge they couldn't pursue the enemy they and you would just lose all of your horses and the same would happen for chariots as well and they had a bunch of other weapons uh for the for the guys in my green D, green uh green dragon classes our next book is actually going to discuss ancient chinese warfare and uh and and it's gonna it's gonna show you guys how this they're very good at this and there's a reason they get 60 billion a year out of our freaking economy and that's just the chinese we're probably losing about a hundred billion a year i would bet that's maybe that's more. It. i'm i'm tapping out no i'm not tap tapping out i'm tagging out <laughs> that is, <laughs> quit. done oh lordy so shifting gears a little bit kazakhstan talking about insurrection mm -hmm. uh, insurrection Let's edition see. kazakhstan yeah have y'all seen this madness yes yeah I was just watching a video today. Um, I've been I've been kind of retweeting some of the videos coming up in between, you know, the dank memes on our Twitter account. I've been uh, retweeting the uh, <laughs> Kazakhstan videos that have come across, and some of it has been uh, really fascinating. I think one of the coolest videos I saw today was it was about twenty eight seconds long, and it's literally a Kazakhstan militia that formed, and they're basically going down the highway on horseback. Like, like they returned to a horse-mounted militia patrol, which I thought was just the coolest fucking thing because I love. They're, they're the original infantry. horsemen. Yeah, so it was like going back to their roots after all these years. Um, so that was awesome to see. But just the footage coming out of there of literally them just there were there were videos of of soldiers surrendering to basically guys with sticks, and then they took their guns and then they took more places. And then there was like a scene in the middle of the street where they took, I guess, a car carrying a lot of weapons, and they were just handing out AKs. And I was like, "Oh, shit's about to get lit." Uh, and um, and so yeah, some of the footage out of there is fucking fascinating. You can find it if you go to our Twitter account. You can find it. Um, but may, I, maybe I'll put a post up with all the different footage. So I'm putting up a video. The, right uh, Perfect. Was the, was the horse was the horse patrol? Were the, did they have the Who playing in the background? You know, <laughs> the Who, the Who from over there. 
Yeah. <laughs> no, no. So the song that came to mind was uh, there's a Canadian country singer named Corb Lund who wrote a song called Horse Soldier. And it basically is a song about all the different horse soldiers across the history of the world. Everything from um, Genghis Khan all the way up to the guys in the beginning of uh, uh, Afghanistan, you know, with the Northern Alliance. And so that was the first song that came to mind because one of the lines in the song is um, basically saying, you know, until the horse soldier comes again. And I was like, here it is. You think that the horse is this outdated tool, but here we are, 2022, and these guys are using the horse sold, uh, the, the horse in conflict. So it was a very, very cool video to see. <laughs> Scout and I have a uh, mutual acquaintance that would tell you, screw the horses, get mules. Yeah. Well, yeah. Yeah, I know a lot of uh, cowboys uh, growing up that swore by mules down the, the western side of the U.S. Well, I know they started to reteach animal husbandry. That was something that they obviously had taken out of the U.S. military. And when they yeah. went to Afghanistan and Iraq, they started to reteach it again because they realized, hey, we can use right. these animals to I know equipment. I know the guy that does that, that teaches. Yeah, hey, uh, he's he's out in Colorado. It was very fascinating. So he, the, uh, our our mutual acquaintance that was that was where he learned that uh, <laughs> that mules were the way to go because when they they initially started that course. And they were trying to teach it. He said horses just weren't cutting it. Well, they can't carry as much as a mule can. A mule is, is a lot more sturdy, and they can handle a shitload more weight. It Yeah, it, it depends on what you're trying to do. Right. I mean, right. If, if you're just trying to get from point A to point B, any old quarter horse is going to work. I mean, you, you can even ride mm-hmm. an Arabian. Yeah, it really doesn't right. matter for <laughs> anybody out there, there listening to this. Yes, I did take a <laughs> shot at all you that ride Arabians out there. Yellow weird. <laughs> uh, everybody I've ever met that, that was an Arabian wow. horse rider or lover, I was just, oh wow, uh, there's something wrong with you. But um, yeah, any, any old quarter horse will work. Um, is and if you're doing any kind of load bearing on a quarter horse, you really got to pay attention to the hooves. And feed them a grain only diet. Um, that is that is critical to do because they have to have that high protein to keep it up. If if they don't, it's not just for muscle uh, fatigue and, and muscle um, regeneration and and energy. It's also for the strength of the hooves. So you have to hardness. keep up. Yep. You, you have got to keep a close eye on that if, if you're doing any kind of load-bearing with quarter horses. But quarter horses are, are I mean, they were bred to work. That, that's, mm-hmm. you know, they, they perform very well in, in a wide variety of environments, and, and they're, it's a very utilitarian breed of horse out they there. Like that's doing- why they've endured for as long as they have um, as, as a working breed. Mules, it, I mean, if you're using it as a – as a pack animal, yeah, you're not going to get any better than a mule. If you're using it to try and get from point A to point B, new. Uh, they're so stubborn. Um, the ones I've worked with. Yeah. The, I mean, the thick-headed, just, they remind me of some types of dogs as far as they're, they're very hard-headed. And w- once they learn something, they learn it. But. I, from from my own experience, horses are easier to train 
than a yeah. mule for anything yes. that is that is not the simplest of tasks. Um, the, I mean, I, I I worked on a ranch uh, for a couple years my uh, at the end of high school, and uh, that's all we did was you know was ride. And uh, I mean, I, I learned it was funny. My my buddy had a saying: horses are either the smartest or the dumbest animals in the world, depending on perspective. Um, no, that's cows. Yeah, yeah. But the hundred percent I did notice was the 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 difference in in different just different breeds of horses as far as their different abilities and, and matching certain things to certain tasks. Um, but of course, the the horses that they were using in Afghanistan, I'd imagine, have a lot compared to horses that are raised here probably have a lot more qualities that are very similar to a mule because of the environment they're raised in. Um, as far as this just might, might be more hardy. And of course the horses that the Mongols used and, and Kazakhs and all that, the, I mean, it's just, they have a specific breed of horse that is very, very sturdy. Um, but yeah, they're, um, horses are definitely special. That's for sure. And you can take yeah. that in any way you want to use the word special. <laughs> yeah. <clears throat> they, uh, I've, I've spent a lot of time watching like a herd of 50 head of horse and they, man, they're all different. They're, they're like a dog in the sense that you can like train them and they, they are, they can be very loyal but at the same time, they're like a cat where they could just like give a fuck less about you for, you know, the most <laughs> of the day. <laughs> and it, like, I mean, like literally when they like some of them are like a cat, like they're hungry. They want to be your friend. And then that's it. Like for like 10 minutes a day. And then um, and then other ones like uh, last summer, uh, last summer, we had a, a filly, a two year. And. She was the nicest sweetheart, and for some reason, she just followed me around everywhere, and was my was my buddy. You're a stud. My six, yeah, my six hundred. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, you know, you know, seven inches on Friday, but um, so she, uh, so yeah, is that because they're seeing double? This horse would um, follow me. Yeah. Well, not yet. I am drinking some India Pale Ale though. I'll be seeing fourteen pretty soon. So um, the uh, that filly though was a six hundred pound puppy dog. Like she had no idea she weighed six hundred pounds and was a foot taller than me. And um, you know it was like she would like want to play like she was like a three year old would roughhouse. In fact, I, I've I've been told before like three year old is is a good way to describe a horse as well too. Like you can you can teach them some things, but you know, if you let them walk all over you, they will. And it's true. They can, they can, they can, a horse can sense when you're uncomfortable around it. So like this 600 pound horse, if I believed that I was the same size as this horse, this, this 600 pound filly would come like running towards me. But if I stood my ground, she would stop right before she hit me because she's hit horses that are bigger than her before. And it didn't end well for her. So you know, the bigger horse like stood its ground and she got hurt sometime on the pasture or on the um, on the thoroughfare or in the corrals. 
and she got a little beat up. So she like remembers getting beat up. Right. And, and, um, but if I like backed up or tried to get out of her way, she would just get more in my way and put more of her weight into me to the point where I had to push on her and I had to like, think like, okay, I am the professional wrestler. I am stronger than steel and harder than concrete. Like you 600 pound animal, get out of my freaking way. And I would push her like a linebacker and she would back up and, and not resist a whole lot. They're, they're funny animals, man. It's it. They're, they're, I, they, I call them walnut brain because you got to remember they have a walnut sized brain and, and, and that's, that's the best way to, to. Yeah. They're, I mean, pack animals are on par with dogs. You know, it, you, you just gotta be an alpha. If, if you're the alpha around them, you make it very clear that you're in charge and you know, yeah. you, you can, yeah, you can build that bond. And, and some some will bond with you a lot quicker than others will. That's true. And, you know, we have a herd of like 50, my family, my aunt and uncle do. And there's not a whole lot of people that have a herd of 50 horse. And, no. and I mean, that, that's like you're talking like <laughs> that not even 1% of America has 50 head of horse. Like, and we've had 70, 80. We've, we've, I believe we had almost 110 at some point in time, but th- I think that was, I think I was very young when we had that many because it was a lot cheaper to keep a horse back then. Um, a- anyway, uh, they're all different. Like if you buy 10 horses, you know, you, you, you might just so happen to buy like only four of them or that are worth a damn. And you might have, you might have six dinks that you got to figure out something to do with them. And it, it's harder these days to find a working horse, uh, a job for a working horse. Yeah, you you can you can turn them into dog food. You can do that, um, or uh, or most likely, you can um, sell them to some retired woman who likes to keep horses. And <laughs> there there are women who, who like to keep older horses and and nurse Pet. them till oh, till their God. death. Yeah. Um. We have dude horses, so if you're gonna buy a horse, you're gonna want to get a uh, a twenty year dude horse, a fifteen or twenty year dude horse. We have the best horses, and they go out on hunting camp too. Our horses are the best. Um, people people ride them, and and then they say to us, uh, "What are you gonna sell the horse for?" And it's like, "Well, you, we make money off the horse. They're not for sale." And they're like. <laughs> everything's for sale and we're like secretly like yeah you're right (laughs) you're totally right but you haven't told me any numbers yet so you know i'm just gonna stand here smiling until you throw a number once they hit 20 man it like all all the spunks out of them at that point thing they're they're dead by 30 uh you can get you can get 30 years out of a horse but uh 20 they've really calmed down and, and they make a good uh kids horse um by 25 they start maybe having problems like you might come out in and and in the morning your favorite horse has broke its leg i've seen that probably five or six times myself um, yeah they do, they do rough house with each other and they will beat each other up and they will stomp each other to death if they're having a little bit of a um problem with each yep. other and and so horses are horses are jerks man i, I call them walnut brain because you never know what's going to be going on in the morning and um and you and you gotta you gotta watch out, I man. Sometimes they throw a temper tra- tantrum like a two year old, and you just don't want to go near them, dude. Like just come back in ten minutes. Um, and, and they're and, very finicky and, as far as their 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 immune system and 
They have the strongest immune system of any yet. animal on earth. The the but horse has the strongest will kill immune them very system. Quickly. Yeah. They get respiratory stuff infections. In feed, stuff in their feed and stuff like that. You have to be very careful. Um, they can get twisted gut pretty easy if they don't have enough water. Yeah, I had one. I had a paint horse die on me. That's unfortunate, man. I like paints. Paint might be my favorite horse. Did it have a glass eye? <sighs> yeah, he did. <laughs> I've had a couple paints, man. and I mean, they're pretty to look at, but that's about it. I wouldn't, I wouldn't buy one. Um, had those two, and that was it. I wouldn't own another one. But uh, Palominas are, are my flavor. That, that's I, I'm a big fan of Palominas. The American Quarter Horse is widely considered to be one of the best horses in the world. And yeah. I remember I remember reading a statistic somewhere. The American Quarter Horse is a mix of Arabian and horses from the personal stables of like King George. And and because of that, because of our English heritage in uh, horsemanship. 90% of our horses in America, even some of the ones that are wild and, and, and um, are directly related to the best horses that have ever lived. So um, if, if you can't, it's hard to go wrong with a horse in America. We have great horses. Um, it, it's just, you know, you, you, you got to buy, buy a horse that's the right size and get to know the horse before you, before you spend a lot of money on it. I would, um, yeah. I would definitely like if, if you hang out with a buddy of yours and he's got three or four horses and you're looking for a horse and you really like one of his horses, um, you know, be prepared to spend as much money as a good like racing dirt bike. Cause they are pricey. The, the million dollar yeah. stuff. I'm, I'm not, I, I think that's like drug money laundering or something. I have no idea. Um, it is. But, it's yeah. yeah there, there's, there's some, there's some 20 tax grand. happening in there. Yeah, for somewhere. sure. But 10 to, 10 to 20 grand will get you a damn good horse. And if you get them right and, and, and they're trained well, you can, get, you can get 10 or 15 years out of that horse easily. That's one of my, my pipe dreams is, uh, is to be able to own a horse. Uh, never rode one, never had one before. Um, but I'm a kid of, of growing up with Westerns, and I have forever loved horses. And, uh, and we have a lot by me. I was just saying in the comments, you know, South Jersey, you'd be shocked uh, how many, how many, you know, one or two acre farms we have around here that have three or four horses on them. Um, a lot of riding camps around here as well. Uh, we actually have in South Jersey the longest weekly running rodeo in the country, which a lot of people don't know. But uh, mm. basically every day from uh, every Saturday from Memorial Day through Labor Day, we have a rodeo. And um, so it, it actually is a little bit more ingrained in the culture than I think people would expect for someone in the Northeast. But uh, one of my pipe teams is always going to be owning a horse for sure. Yeah. So anyway, getting back to Kazakhstan though, because we, we kind of dove off there before we dove into it. Um, horse culture, it, Kazakhstan. <laughs> Kaz okay. Well, the, the Kazakhs were, were the horse people. I mean, that was, uh, that, that's the underlying part of, of Kazakh culture, uh, really in the, the whole descendants of Genghis Khan, uh, that they take, I I've known one real Kazakh. Um, I knew him, uh, when, uh, he went through, uh, infantry school with me at Sand Hill. And, um, that was right after Borat 
or maybe right before. No, Borat. Borat had come out, I think, right around that time. Anyway, he was he was not a happy camper about that movie, uh, and got really, really ticked off every time people made jokes about it. But uh, I mean, he, you know, anybody that that's done time in uh, in northern Afghanistan and knows uh, the Tajiks and knows what Tajiks look like. He looked like them. I mean, very, very uh, Asian features, um, uh, very, very strong. But you know, wasn't wasn't East Asian. You, you could tell that he was he was Central Asian, and uh, very deliberate. He was a very, very deliberate person. When he told you something, that was that was that. There was no. He didn't have a whole lot of humor to what he was saying. It was just like, all right, I told you this. That's it. You know. So, but I think it's really interesting because Kazakhstan has been uh, Kazakhstan and Kyrgyzstan and Turkmenistan and Uzbekistan. All of these uh, nations have been, uh, you know, traditional Soviet republics and, and are still very uh, loyal to the larger uh, hegemony of that region. And uh, I just think it's very interesting that now all of a sudden this Central Asian country that has, uh, you know, houses the Russian space program as well, is all of a sudden out of nowhere in in complete chaos, and that's kind of taking the Russian eye off of Ukraine. What are y'all's thoughts? Well, uh, I'm I'm curious who is uh, bankrolling that. Yeah, these things don't just kind of happen with as much fervor as has been happening. Who, who has the most of building up in the that happening? I got. Um, oh, sorry, I didn't know you were still talking, Mac. Go ahead. Buddy. No, you're good. No, you're oh, good. Oh, okay. I got a. So I got. I got a bunch of statistics. I was researching uh, an article before I got called um, called back in. Um, and spun back up. So uh, Kazakhstan is an interesting country. They are the uh, most landlocked country on earth. There is none uh, that is more landlocked than they are. And I believe by, by um, land, total landmass, they are the ninth largest landmass nation on earth. The nation with the ninth largest landmass on Earth, Russia being number one. So, um, and I uh, and so, pretty amazing. Um, and they have a lot of wealth and resources. Really, the only reason they're not like there aren't Kazakhstani moon bases is because of communism and a lot of tribal infighting, which is very expensive. And so. Um, well, and and that could this could probably be said about Afghanistan too. Tribal infighting is extremely expensive, and actually throughout history, it's destroyed entire regions before. Uh, Greece is and a good example. Greece was a lot of tribal infighting conquered by Rome. So um, even though they were very smart and quite wealthy, so Kazakhstan is actually a major part of the Belt and Road Initiative for China, and there's been a lot of. Um, interesting developments with the, with the Belt and Road Initiative for China. So they went around and they, and they made a lot of promises that it was going to be good for China so that China, you know, better, better to choose China than America. 
and the 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 sons and daughters of the the failed um, Soviet satellite experiment that our parents watched or grandparents or uh, or you know older brother uh, depending on how old you are maybe you grew up in this so um, th this is possibly we're gonna I think we're I think it's a little bit of payback for what's going on in the Ukraine in some respects. Now, the way the Ukraine popped off um, because of the online internet operations and the um, interactive internet activities, that does actually require like real people like take selfies and, and post videos of themselves on the internet and stuff. Well, uh, one of the secrets about what was going on in the Ukraine is they actually started shooting those people in the Ukraine and you don't hear about that, but they were the guys that were dressed as medics and were actually like spies, but they were wearing like full medic gear like we saw in 2020 in the USA. And then the online Internet guys. And, and I'm not saying, you know, go out and attack anybody that's like famous on Twitter or Getter or YouTube or any of these other websites. But if you were like, you know, Ukraine or Russia's version of this guy. Um, or even uh, perhaps you're a um, Middle Eastern a sympathetic communist or, or, or Eastern European and you're sympathetic to, to communism or nationalism or whatever. They actually started shooting those people and that was a big deal. And that's why you see, um, from what I can gather, the Khashoggi assassination seems to have been a like like nail in the coffin and kind of asking everybody to like, ease up on what's going on and that was like spillover that the west could see from that operation and uh obviously the um obviously the saudi saudis got pretty annoyed with 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 that and because he khashoggi is an interesting person some real tinker tailor soldier spy stuff going on there he was kind of friends with everybody traveling all over the place always had a cell phone in his pocket so whether or not he was selling secrets or something, his his cell phone data was was giving up the secrets of where these people were and what was going on. And um, so it, and whatever happened, happened. I don't know um, anything about him or any personal details. But from what I can gather, um, they're using these Internet tools in places like. Like Kazakhstan, and it's. It's kind of like now every penny that China would have made, there's been some sort of like workers revolution because China was going around cutting all these deals, but then they would put like 300,000 workers into your country and just take over like all of the infrastructure jobs. And it was all one-sided deals. And basically they were just like, it was like a parasite project and not really something that you wanted. And Kazakhstan being like the ninth largest country in the world, completely landlocked, um, like very far away from like any like Navy's ability to start shooting our like heavy artillery at you or um, dropping like warplane munitions uh, from naval vessels it, or pot potentially like a volley of cruise missiles from several missile submarines. These are big deals because, you know, the next thing you know, like, you go to sleep and you wake up one morning and all the tanks in your city are destroyed and you're fucking fucked. Kind of like um, like in what happened in um, Iraq. And, and um, so I, I think that 
perhaps we are running this and we're i think we might be really putting the the chinese and the sympathetic um russians and and any others who are who are wheeling and dealing um israel turkey iran saudi arabia they're all building these 5g cities and and they have many of them have major highways or ports that are a part of the belt and road initiative and we're i think we're really putting their the, their nuts in a vice so to speak and being like look we have the tools to fuck your life up and everyone's going to make fun of you on the internet and act like an expert on twitter but you know we can do this over and over and over and over again and we saw it here in 2020 we we saw it in syria we saw it in the ukraine and and war is expensive and making money is a lot better and if you don't believe me read unrestricted warfare that's that's uh I'm I'm tagging out after that, guys. Well, no, I think it's a good point, and I think one of the um, and I, I was talking in the comments as well. I mean, the idea of this being a color revolution, um, I I really you know, there's a lot of indicators that point towards some level of involvement from the U.S. in what's going on in Kazakhstan, right? Um, now we know that the the, the overt reason from my understanding of the situation was high home heating fuels, which <laughs> crazy how high fuel costs could cause, you know, civil unrest. It's wild. I couldn't imagine that happen, you know, happened anywhere else, but, uh, that my understanding, that's how it started. Um, and then I think one of the reasons behind the Kazakhstan incident is because we just saw how many paratroopers just pulled off of the front line from Ukraine to now have to go deal with the issue in Kazakhstan. Uh, I don't know if it's just an annoyance, if they're trying to delay the inevitable in Ukraine, but um, to me, I think that's a big indicator that at some level we're behind. We may not have started what is going on in, in Kazakhstan right now, but we sure as hell are, you know, egg, egg, egging them on and saying, hey, yeah, keep going, keep going. Um so, but it is interesting. I mean, again, the footage coming out of it, I'm a sucker for any kind of that footage, uh, whether, you know, from Syria, I watch a lot of that footage um, back when LiveLeak was LiveLeak and not whatever dumbass thing it turned into these days. Um, and watching the stuff come, coming across on, on Twitter, uh, it is very, very interesting to observe. And I, I don't know what the end game is. I mean, I don't think the Rebels can win. I mean, what do y'all think? I, I don't think... Yeah, and I don't think the goal for them is to win necessarily, but I, I, do, I can't see them winning. So is it, I don't know, uh, you know, I understand where they're coming from at some level, but I also think that they know this is an impossible task, which doesn't mean you shouldn't do it, but I just don't know what their end game is. Uh, I think they're trying to, if, when you make money, it's hard when you have um, – I'm actually taking OSHA training right now. When, you're, when you have uh, injuries, it costs everyone money. And this is kind of like one giant injury. It's a work stoppage. There's, it's going to cause a split between uh, different groups in the country. And, 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 it's, uh, and, and then, you know, chi like if China has to spend, you know – 20 million dollars with russia 
in fuel alone, pulling security in the middle of the winter in Kazakhstan just in the next like three or four months, plus paying their personnel, plus feeding them. And they were supposed to make 20 million this year. Well, now, you know, China's in a little economic trouble. Russia's in and out of economic trouble. They, they, they just keep printing rubles. I don't think, I think their inflation is, is actually um, quite bad and, uh, and, and rather uh, measurable. Like it, it goes up a, a measurable percent. I, I think it's like 3% every year um, or two and a half uh, from what I can tell on my own research. Um, you know, check that, come up with your own, um, come up with your own answer to that question. Cause I, I don't quite know. Um, but it's, it is interesting. And, uh, so anyway, if I, if I stub my toe, it hurts. If my foot gets cut off, it's very expensive. So I, I think this is kind of like, Hey China, like, you know, you think you were going to make a bunch of money? Like, fuck you. You're not making any money this year and watch us again. We'll fucking do it again next year. So, you know, like start being nice or things are going to get really expensive and you can't stop it. We have the online internet tools. We have the interactive internet activity tools. And also your people aren't very happy, which is why we can light a bit lighter. And all of a sudden there's a forest fire of revolution going on. Color revolution gets thrown around too much. I think the people on Twitter try to sound smart. You don't hear them mention belt and road. You, you know, the, the pipelines are Russian, the pipelines are Chinese, the, the, the railroads, the roads, the highways. I mean, you just don't hear them mention all that. They're just like, oh, dictator, president of Kazakhstan. And it's like, this is the dumbest political analysis I've ever fucking seen in my life, dude. Totally useless. All of those people are fucking worthless, dude. It's anyway. just propaganda. That, yeah, that's all it's it totally fucking useless, dude. Twitter's useless. Getter's useless. Gab is useless. Hey, Getter! Let's all give a look. Come on, let's all jump on Getter. Come on, guys. Joe Rogan's headed over to that party. Oh, let's go. On Getter. Let's, what could go wrong? Yep. What could go wrong? Could be Parlor Part Two, Cambridge Analytica. It's exactly what it is. Get her. Sap nasty in the comments says, "Get her done." There you go. Get her done. <laughs> get her done. There you. Yeah. See. Um, you know, get get everyone that please get on social media and have a bunch of fake profiles that, that are going to tell you exactly what you want to hear. You're going to get all the, uh, you know, the, uh, you'll, you'll get pictures of scantily clad girls in their early twenties wrapped up in Donald Trump flags and some Q crap about where we go. One, we go all nonsense, right? And, and, and you're going to buy into that shit. You got to understand exactly what that is. Okay, they're telling you what you want to hear. You're getting led around by your nose, folks. If, if you think anything that you see on social media is real, any of that stuff is real, there's a reason I don't do it. This, this podcast, as huge as it is, this is huge, by the way, uh, we're ranked number 53. Okay, number 53 in the top, the top 100 podcasts. Number 53. Okay, we are ranked number six. In news commentary. Are we or are we not? Patriot Man, I sent you the the screenshots of it. Yep. We were I, 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 I double-checked it today just because I was talking to um, a, a, a very enthusiastic and um, highly motivated potential 
podcast guest and I was looking up the latest stats and yeah, uh, it is incredible. And, and the crazy part about it is that we're sandwiched between people who have like 21, 22,000 followers on Podbean. We got 2000. That's saying Uh, 20, 2,223. There you go. Yeah, uh, but there's a there's a reason, and this is all grassroots. Is a reason that that I you know I don't sit around on social media, uh, touting you know what what we do here. It's it's completely word of mouth. It's completely grassroots because it's genuine. Okay, this is genuine. This is absolutely genuine. And, and if you know, I, I was only out to be the biggest podcast in the world and, and make a billion dollars off of it or whatever. Uh, I would certainly be doing it a very different way. Uh, I would be out there touting my CV instead of, you know, just, oh, okay, I'm just some guy, you know, right. I, I, I would, I would be very, very, uh, I, I would, I would have an image of me with a flag waving and maybe I'd stand there with my old uniform on, which really should make you wonder if, if I've been out of uniform for a long time, why am I wearing a uniform on a YouTube video? Uh, talking about how I'm going to save the Republic. Oh, wait. Uh, never mind. <laughs> oh, uh, oops. But anyhow. You mod deuce to your quad. Mm, yeah. yeah. <sighs> but anyhow, the point is, though, <laughs> is, is that's why what we're doing is so critically important. That's why I value this audience that we have as much as I do. Because you guys are the ones, you you are the word of mouth that's out there that is making this what it is. The social media stuff, you got to understand that that crap is is 90% manipulated. A lot of it is fake. Most of it is fake. Um, the, the Q stuff is absolutely fake. That was fake from the get-go. You can go all the way back to 2017 when American Partisans started. And you can see what we were saying about Q all the way back then. Okay, all the way back then. It's been a very consistent message over time. All right. If 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 we we wanted to, to be the biggest podcast in the world, we would have latched on to that stuff and really ran with it, right? And and really, oh guys, this is you know, just just follow the plan, right? Uh, not saying that there's a, a certain podcast out there that, that really touts that stuff too. <laughs> um, because there, well, there's a few, but there's there's one in particular um, who once he realized he, he could only get so far talking about economics and being incorrect all the time, he went and he jumped on another train. Uh, but point is about all that is all of this stuff is data analytics. Okay. All of that stuff is data analytics. Okay, 100% of it is. They are literally analyzing what you see and who you are sharing it with. And the only way that you defeat the machine, okay, it, it is literally Emmanuel Goldstein, 1984. Okay, George Orwell, you know, if, if you haven't read 1984, you can go and, and, you know, reading ain't your thing. Go watch the movie. It's an older movie. I get it. But go watch it. And what you'll see is people who are literally huddling around television sets at specific times of the day. And you're going to see as a social commentary, you're going to see if you really think about where we are today and the world in which we are existing and which we are living Unplug yourself from it 
and you'll see it. And that's exactly what social media is. And so, no, that's why I don't participate in it. That's why we're, we're, you know, we're doing our own thing. We're independent of it. Um, That's why social media got defaulted to me because Scott was like, I need, I need you to handle this. Cause again, no, it it also adds a a layer of insulation as well. Uh, It's something I'm well versed in just because uh, I've I've been in that realm before. Um, And also I could just have way too much fun with just fucking with people. Um, so, uh, but yeah, no, exactly to your point, Scott. I mean, some of the stuff that I see people post on social media, again, we post the articles. I post basically memes. And if there's anything interesting, I'll retweet. Sometimes I'll use it as a basis for a post or something like that. But in terms of like sensitive information or anything identified, no, of course not. Like that is the dumbest well, shit in the world. It's it's interesting too, since it's it's uh, Insurrection Day. I've got a piece sitting here that was sent over to me by a friend that Vox ran, and um, I I am gonna get this posted up. I'm not gonna post it down in uh, down in the comment section, but I'm gonna have it up on America Partisan. Uh, it's coming from Vox, and of course, Vox is is uh, far left, about as far left as you can go, and they are literally detailing how social media analytics were weaponized to go after everybody who was there at the Capitol one year ago, exactly one year ago. And this shouldn't if for longtime listeners of this podcast and, and you've listened to, to my work consistently uh, over the years and listened to this podcast or over the, the past year, you'll hear that message over and over again. What I've been telling you, because I've seen the other side of the curtain. I know exactly what's going on. And it's by no accident that these social media platforms are, are, are springing up every day because they are able to monitor if basically it's marketing. If, if I'm able to market you a product and I know that I'm target adding one group of people and I know this one group of people are going to get on this one platform, I can now control everything that they see everything that they are uh, getting it, it it's essentially like AI everything is that that it is capable of doing is based on whatever the machine is being inputted right a- anything that you can put in there is what you're gonna get as the output right it, it literally is creating the results and so that's why um, now, social media has a, a couple of uses that are that are kind of interesting, and I'm not going to get too deep into that because I could talk all night about it, and we're, we're uh, kind of on limited time right now anyway. But point is, is that you're being manipulated. The stuff that you're being told there, the stuff that you're being shown there is based on uh, a non-objective point of view. There is something, it, the, and the data behind the scenes is all being analyzed and being refined. And they're going to change it on you so that they can keep control of the narrative. All right. So it's just like uh, anybody that has any teaching experience and, and, you know, you're the teacher, you walk in the classroom, classroom's going wild, right? You can't, can't control the students. What do you do? You separate them, right? You figure out who the troublemakers are among all the students and you push them to different corners. All right. Now I can watch you. And now I can watch you. And that's exactly what they did with social media. Twitter originally Damn. was this crazy thing that, you know, like you had all of them. Everybody's going at it in there. And it, it was just too much data to sit there and sift through. So, all right, 
I'm going to take the Liberals. You guys have Twitter. Jack Dorsey, I'll give you all the money you ever want. You can. You got unlimited tie-dye t-shirts. You do whatever the fuck you want. Sit over there. All right? Andrew Torba and company. You guys, you're going to go over here. You do whatever the fuck you want to do. Market it however you want. Now I can watch both of you. And that's exactly what happened. That is exactly what happened. And then you've got these others, these, you know, the the uh, the tax write-off for the Mercers. That was Parler. You know, you've got Getter that's that's run by a communications director under Trump. And it's really, uh, you know, being touted as like the next big thing, right? Okay, yeah, but you look into that dude's past. He's pretty shady, too. Okay, he's pretty shady, too. So um, I've got a question that's pretty interesting here in in the uh, uh, right here in the uh, uh, comment section. NC serious question. If you can take this, uh, if I installed a social media app and remove it, does it still have any type of access? Um, maybe it depends on whether you actually removed it or you simply disabled it. If, if you completely remove it off of your device itself, I'm assuming this is on your cell phone. If you completely remove it off of the device and you have to have backdoor access in order to do that, the only way that you can do that is having an unlocked device to begin with, um, then yes, you can. Now, when you install these social media apps, you really need to ask yourself, why is it wanting access to all your pictures, all your contacts, all your geolocation data? Why is it asking all that? Why is it asking for all those things? Because it's tracking you. Okay, it's tracking you. And I don't give a damn what platform, whoever, uh, whatever internet personality told you that, that, oh, yeah, but they don't do that. Yeah, read the fine print. Read the fine print of the terms of service agreement. When you actually click, I agree, before you click on it, read it. And it's going to tell you it's in there. But they, they don't bother telling you the nuances because nobody ever reads that stuff. So it doesn't matter. It's like 25 pages long. You ain't got time for that. I just want to get on there and talk to people about how, you know, how much I hate the world. Right? That's all it is. That's all it is. And they're tracking you. Why are they tracking you? Why do they need to track you? If this is about freedom, why do they need to track you? Why do they need to uh, watch everything that you say? Why do they need access to all your contacts? Why do they need all that stuff? And when you begin to think critically, because see, that's an important thing. We don't think critically anymore. When you start to think critically about what's really going on, uh, you come up with some uncomfortable answers. So the next time some internet personality tells you out there, oh, yeah, you need to get on this social media platform because that's where the real fight is happening. Bullshit. Bullshit. Scout, no. question. Yeah. Remember when you went to uh, wrestling practice on the internet? No. I didn't have the internet when I went to wrestling practice. Oh. Oh, oh, what you mean you I have thought, to actually show up? It was it yeah, was at th- the library. I thought we could win the fight on the internet. No. No. Oh. And that's something that, that JP JP, that's something you bring up that pisses me off. And Scout, you and I have had this conversation a dozen times. 
And we had a couple shitheads today in the comments who were saying this. They make some broad stroke of like, oh, what are we going to do about it? What are we? It's like, no, 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 no. Stop with this we shit. What are you going to do about it? I know what we're doing. Yeah. I know, I know the skin of the game that we have. What is your yeah. skin of the game besides reading this article and posting that dumbass comment on it? That's yeah, because, well, about- I can tell you. Yeah. I can tell you right now, they, they live in a trailer park filled with cat piss. They've never done a damn thing. They're sitting on their ass. They These are the same people who, if you walked into a bar, it's got some old people sitting in there. They smell like cheap cigarettes. They're drinking the cheapest damn liquor it is sitting there, and they're going to tell you what they think about life, and they ain't never accomplished a damn thing. So why do I want to listen to their opinion? I mean, really. And and on the internet, see, the thing, the, the good thing about the internet is, is you ain't got to smell their trashy ass. But that's exactly what that is. Yes, it is. So yep. whatever. Fuck them. Yep. Are we, are we should talk to people in the comment section now? Because I can get no. down for that. Oh, what, yeah, the comments on that. It's, it's so, really not worth it. So I mean, so yeah. these, these are the people that drive Chevy Cavaliers. Or Chevy Berettas. <laughs> Chevy oh. Berettas, dude. They drive Berettas. comment some stupid bullshit on one of my posts, I'm just going to delete the comment. I'm just not even going to respond. I'm not even going to give you... Like, it's just gone. I don't... <laughs> Yeah, what are you gonna do about it? I don't know what you're doing. What I'll, you doing? I'll, Mac, I'll, I'll tell you right now. I'm sitting here uh, building one of the hottest podcasts on the internet. I've got I, I built a, a training company from the ground up. Uh, every one of my buddies have I, I've helped them out building their businesses. All, every one of them have hot brands. I'm sitting here with minimal debt, doing quite well. Um, training a lot of people, filling up every class that I put up on my schedule a year out, get making people, empowering people through knowledge. Yeah, I, th- I think I'm doing a lot. So I don't know what the fuck you're doing, but Mac, I'm doing a lot. A, a lot. a lot of those comments, because because the nature of my work, I can basically keep AP up. And that's why I, I do a lot of the day-to-day um, approving comments and maintenance stuff and all that and whatever. But there are some comments, like some on your article or some on JC's or JP's, a lot on Scouts, where I read it and I go, I ain't even going to approve this shit because I know that I know what they're going to say to this. And I'm just going to sit back and pop some popcorn and watch because like 90, 95% of the comments we get are awesome. And it's people who are legitimately adding to the conversation, which is awesome. But those few that we don't, I'm like, nah, I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to let them approve this one. <laughs> it's sure as shit. When it's they can go back to proof. Gab. Yep. Yep. <laughs> go back yes. to Gab. Yeah. For the record, you have to go back. Nine- <laughs> oh, man. For the record, like, yes, sir. 99%. Oh, sorry. Go ahead, MacMatic. Sorry, buddy. You good, buddy? Oh, I'm sorry, man. I'm fucking oh, I, deaf. I, I I'm hearing shit. I'm losing off of the line that. Uh, the uh, let me tell you some things about yourself that you don't even know. And, uh, that's if you want to do. I Scout and I have had this conversation a number of times. Yeah, I used to, on, on my old blog. I, I used to try and do the okay. Well, I'll let everybody have a voice, and it got to the point where it was taken advantage of so much. Um, I decided to say, you know what. These fucktarded monkey cunts can kiss my ass. I'm just going to delete them. 
and uh, and that's what I did. It's just because you know what? It's not a free speech zone. It's mine. I started it. Right. You want to have your own thing where you want to do free speech? Be be my guest. But if if what you're what you're adding to the comments is not in some way helpful. Uh, whether it's insight, whether it is, you know, adding something, you know, more to what has already been said in, in the educational sense and all, don't bother. Um, because I, you know, the, uh, it's, it's ridiculous. They, they get, you know, it, it goes back to the uh, smelling like piss and old and uh, cheap tobacco that Scout was just saying. It, it just. I don't have the time and I sure as hell don't have the patience anymore. My filter is about as thin as it's going to get before it is non-existent. Um, I gave my last fuck about a year ago. So, it, you know, but that's just me. I, um, when I'm talking to people on the internet or in person, I'm the same guy. 99.9% of the time, I, I don't, and I don't believe in reading too much into the internet, but uh, feel, yeah. feeling sorry for ourselves. Written text is a cold medium, and you shouldn't read tone into text unless there's a sentence that supports something that's occurred and um, expands on the, the idea. There's a reason a paragraph is four sentences. End of story. Moving along. I used to be a um, English and literature major, and I wanted to be an English teacher in high school. And not because I watched um, Saving Private Ryan too many times. <laughs> the it, No, it's true. I really did. I wanted to get a job at my old high school. If you're from the Baltimore area, I went to a really nice high school. I really enjoyed it. And and it's an all-guys high school, and I, I love the infantry, and I think there's a time when men need to be men and stand in a room together and talk about real stuff and do real things together when you're old enough. So, um, and, and, you know, there's real consequences. People die in car accidents, people die in combat, people die of disease, people die of drugs and drinking. And it, I mean, you're going to, by the time you're 30, you're going to know people who've died. And, and I think it's important to prepare people for that because otherwise they fold and they dye their hair pink and decide to overeat and not accomplish anything. Go ahead, scout. Go ahead, man. Well, no, man, I, I was just going to say, add to that, how'd your first team leader talk to you? Uh, when you like got to the word... deuce, how'd your first yep. team leader talk to you? Uh, he told me that I was totally useless and that accomplishing basic training is something that any 18-year-old who is who can pass a physical for a high school um, sports team can do. And yeah. that he's not impressed and that he's glad to have me on the team but we still have a lot of work to do. He he was glad to have you on the team. <laughs> well, he's well. No, I'm I'm you shortening. That's so nice. Damn. Well, <sighs> he he said I'm. Um, he's glad I at least showed up for tryouts. Um, uh, okay. okay. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. Like, that's that's back yeah. when when the deuce was getting in trouble for a lot of hazing stuff. Well, they and had, dudes were they straight hadn't up like elsewhere yet. And guys were like running away and not coming back to base and, and being like, why? And they're like, because the dude is like literally torturing. Me. But they've got there, a there were, sopping wet 
uh, mix-up down below. Yeah, there was um, yeah, there was a lot going on at Fort Bright, and there still is. It didn't stop. Mm. I I'm telling you right now, it it didn't stop. In fact, they started deploying the deuce because they kind of thought maybe um, maybe they're not doing enough combat. Like they weren't sure what how to approach the situation. <laughs> they had no idea what to do because, I, like, I went to. I, I got ordered to go to talk to somebody at one point in time, like by my commander. He's like, look, you can't do that kind of stuff. Like that's way too crazy. And I was like, yeah, but I didn't rob the bank though. That was the other guys. And, and so anyway, I had to go talk to somebody. <laughs> oh, I remember and, that. I remember <laughs> and that. <laughs> this ended up on the television. Like this was on national news. And, and so anyway, these guys are my friends. They're still my friends. Um, but you know, we all paid for our mistakes and my my payment was due diligence, and I had to spend five years as a private. Anyway, so so and I got yelled at. In the, that's punishment enough, okay? I'd rather go to jail than be in the eighty second for five years. So so um, wow. it's a true story, though. It's a true story. So um, don't believe me? Go sign up and see what it's like. So um, I dare you. So. Um, yeah, nah, so there's don't a lot sign going up on. now. They got women and shit there. Okay. You know, they had women when I was in, and they didn't last a month, dude. But anyway, they didn't um, have women in the infantry, though. Like, it, they, yeah, that's true. They were attached to the support units. That's um, what I'm saying. They yeah. they got them in the infantry now. Yeah. They're sending them to ranger yeah, school. That's a whole other headache, especially fuck. for leadership. What the fuck? That's fucked, dude. Anyway, so test yourself. Don't don't tell me on the internet what's been done about it. Uh, well, how old are you? Like, you know, are well, you? Now, in I mean, you, here's the deal, You've man. Had ten like, years to do something about it. Like, you it's, know, are so, you in your 50s? it's more simple than years, that. Twenty. Yeah. You, so when I started writing, back when I started writing back in in uh, 2015, I, I was writing earlier than that, but for a few other people. Um, a lot of the stuff that was online, man, and, and this, I will say this, I will say this, that, that, um, Trump and, and the, the culture around Trump, the populism skewers very young, uh, in, into the teenage years and earlier, it, it is the new counterculture that's out there. And it's something that the boomers, uh, completely do not understand. Like it, it's, it's completely lost on them. They don't get it. Um, but, and, and well, you know, whatever, but they, they grew up in, in, w with the opposite being true. So it, it is what it is. The far left was the counterculture back then. But, um, the, the whole thing though, about all that is that when, when, you know, I, I came up and I, I was writing and, um, you know, got, got my start. There was, you know, they, they were kind of circling the drain because you've got all these dudes who really just don't know what they're doing. They've never really done anything. They don't have any real bona fides to, to actually put in their hat. They don't, they, they've never done any of this stuff. And then when you call them out on some of the stupid shit that they're saying, they're like, Oh, well, I didn't go fight any bankers wars. Okay. So what? Like that, do you think that's a rebuttal? So basically it's like, all right, let's look at this as a, a job interview. You, you're basically, you're telling me that you have no job experience here. You have no, no training. You have nothing, but you're going to tell me what your opinion is. I don't fucking care. 
Okay, I don't. I, I ain't telling you how it should be. I'm telling you how it is. Like that. That's just that. That's that's just the way that it is. So whatever. You can get over yourself. Um, because I've done it. You ain't right. And so it it a lot of a lot more people. It started skewering younger and younger, and that's a very welcome thing to see because I mean the reality is is that. You know, the brakes could have been put on this stuff that we see today a, a long time ago. That's just a reality. Could have been the brakes could have been put on this stuff after Ruby Ridge, after Waco, arguably earlier than that, even in, you know, the going going all the way back to Kent State and earlier yeah. than that. Th there was a lot that could have been done to put the brakes on this stuff and it didn't happen. It didn't happen. Yep. And so now we are here today. So to, you know, everybody out there that, you know, is, is whatever. And, you know, you're throwing your hands up, screaming at the sky, whatever. Why is it that it falls on a lot of deaf ears? Now, I know that that might sound like a broad brush statement. I've had a lot of really awesome uh, Vietnam vet guys and older generation. Guys. Yeah, we I've have some some yeah. old hand. Uh, John Birch Society guys that have come to class that that are just awesome, and I love every second that that I get to get with them and and get that knowledge. Um, but that being said, those guys though, I will say there's one thing universal about them: they don't hang out online. They do not hang out in comment sections. They do not hang out online. The people that I'm talking about specifically, you only see them commenting on stuff in certain corners of the internet over and over and over again. And yet, I'll be honest, I don't give a damn session. what they have to say. Yeah. You know, show me the results. Bottom yep. line, show me the results. And Scott, I know we have we have four minutes left. I, the one thing I want to add is, is I, I know, you know, we can get on – We've had some posts on Trump and, and his role and everything and whether he was good, bad, and different. I don't really care. But one of the things I think he's done, particularly because, uh, to your point, you know, conservative is the new counterculture. It's woken up a lot of the youth. I remember driving, you know, I was driving through my subdevelopment, and there was a chain of, this was before the 2020 election. There was a chain of about 25, 30 kids. They were high school kids. Found out my niece knew a bunch of them. Uh, and they were just going down the street with Trump flags. And just like that, that was the yeah. counterculture. They were like, Hey, we're rebels for doing this. And so yep. I think that's something that the preparedness community and, and kind of the, the anti tyranny community has not tapped into. And I know it's something that we're working on actively to do so. And, and so I think that there is some level of hope for this younger crowd, you know, the, 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 the and I don't mean this disrespectfully, but the boomers who only show up online and scream and yell at the sky, you know, old man yells at clouds. I don't give a fuck what you say. What I care about is watching what some of these young kids are doing. They did more on that bike ride than you probably did in, you know, six, eight weeks leading up to the election. And so yep. I think that that's something that we have to keep in mind, that there is some hope there. It's a matter of how we tap into that. Yeah, 100%, man. 100%. And it, it, it comes with doing things in the real world. It comes with training. It comes with with actually getting out there and meeting real people instead of bitching about it online to people you're probably never gonna see and when you do see them you're always disappointed because they're exactly what you you know you picture right they, they they and look i'm telling you i've seen these people okay when, when i got started 
um, you know, they, there was some some stuff that uh, people invited me out, wanted me to speak and whatever. And, you know, I didn't know what I didn't know. And I get there and I'm just, you know, kind of scratch my head like, man, really? Um, you know, it, it, this is it. And, you know, it, it, look, I'm telling you, once once I started getting out there and actually taking training people seriously um, and and working on it from from a more professional aspect, because I, I had this misconception. I start writing and people would just do whatever it was that I was writing about. I was completely wrong. Um, so point is behind all that is you know you you got to be the change that you want to see you got to get out in the real world you got to do it and and really look at yourself in the mirror and say what do i bring to the table why should anybody listen to what i have to say um and and that's a that is a very very serious point a deadly serious point that you need to be making to yourself every single day amen yeah amen Two minutes. <laughs> Two minutes. Uh, Two minutes. I think Scout is still talking, but he's not coming through right now. So I'm going to jump in right now because um, we can't hear him. Any last thoughts from JC? No, I just, you know, like I said, just people need to take what what we've been saying to heart, and you know, a lot, some of the negativity there. That's. When people say, oh, it's all negative. No, but you need to look at anything that's said negative. You need to look at it objectively. Does it apply to you? If it doesn't apply to you, move.